Good morning. It's DJ PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning. PK, are you ready for some playing games? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the East. We're not really into this. Is it tonight? Yeah. Well, in the East. We got the Is seven, tonight eight, already in the East? Seven, eight, and nine, ten games in the East. Yeah. Playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't have as much interest, obviously. <laughs> right. But I'm okay with it. It's live. It's competition. Sure. I got the top three teams in these rolling, so whoever wins this, I figure they're toast anyway. So, Whereas in the West, I think that whoever wins it and gets out, it, there's a chance they'll be winning and advancing. So, Okay. I'm yeah. way more excited about the West than the East. Well, I would be naturally anyway, but sure. yeah. Sure. Yeah, and there's part of that. We just, we're in the West and we follow the rest. All right, so uh, speaking of the East, there was a quote. We did not get to this on Monday, but there's a little uh, little uh, chat over the weekend that got your attention. And I'm curious how it played with fans. I mean, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders like, yeah, well, here we go again. Not the first time, not the last. Whatever. This is more interesting, though. Kyrie Irving. Yeah. He said after the game, what was it on uh, Saturday, maybe Friday, that you know he didn't really care about basketball. It's secondary. What's going on with the Palestinians and all that stuff? And was it Israel? And I got to admit, man, you talk about dumb. Uh, it's like it's almost so much bad news I can take. But he, who is a, as I understand it, he's a, a, a converted. He's now a Muslim, right? Uh, because they were talking about during the fast time how that was uh, with him with uh, not being able to eat or drink until after sundown. Uh, And so he was talking about that. And then his statements were very strong that he was saying as far as not really caring about the game. His priority is what's going on in the world and all that stuff. And you wonder, okay, how, how does that... How does that jive with what your employer? Could you imagine us just nope. coming in? Nope. <laughs> don't care. You know, I don't, don't care really about the show. Don't care about the Jazz. Don't care about the Utes. Don't care about the Cougars. No, I cannot imagine saying that. Could we but, get, get away with anything close to that? No, 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 no. No. I believe you're saying no. I'm saying no. <laughs> I'm underlining it. I'm throwing up exclamation points afterwards. But, you know, there's Troy Aikman, and then there's a uh, backup linebacker and backup tight end, and they don't get to say what Troy Aikman, you know, yeah, I cut him because he fell asleep. Uh, Jimmy, would you cut Troy Aikman if he fell asleep? Troy Aikman? I'd reach over and hit him on the knee and say, Troy, wake up. There's different rules for different folks. And I think Kyrie Irving can say whatever he wants about Durant and Harden and LeBron. And he can say whatever he wants about Flat Earth. And he can say whatever he wants about overseas as long as he keeps producing on the court. And he produces on the court. So, and is is he being 100% serious with this? Is he trying to make a point? Is he really going to be completely dialed in when the game comes? You know, I think Kyrie's going to be out there in games doing what Kyrie does. And he can be a volume shooter at times. And I have more questions about how he fits in as a third guy if, if the big three are together over a long period of time. Seems like Harden's the guy who might be willing to take a bit of a back seat if necessary. Um, 
And I think Harden and Durant both get that Irving can be a little bit of a wild card. So I think they'll both be into managing that situation. But Irving's really good. And if you're really good, whatever you say, I mean, Carl Malone used to say stuff. And then people, you know, at the start of the season, people run to Jerry and Jerry shrug and say, you know, he'll be here when it's time to we open camp and play games. He'll be good. And Jerry yeah, this is during the season. It is. It is. But again, I think with, you know, when they when when the clock hits uh, 12 there and they put up first quarter and they press start and go, I mean, I think Kyrie Irving's going to have good games. So I think they'll just kind of roll with whatever he says, even if it's a distraction to one level or another. I think it boils down to what's appropriate on work time. So he's given the interviews and he did it after they beat the Bulls Saturday. Mm-hmm. Apologize if I'm not going to be focused on y'all's questions. It's just too much going on in the world for me to just be talking about basketball. I focus on this most of the time, 24-7, but it's too much going on in the world not to address it. Uh, It's not just in Palestine, not just in Israel. It's all over the world, and I feel it. I'm very compassionate about it. All races, all cultures, and to see it, to see a lot of people being discriminated against, based on the religion, color of their skin, whatever they believe, it's just sad. He's right. right? You, you look at that statement. This isn't the, world, the world's flat. This isn't right. silly stuff. Right. Serious stuff. Huh? Uh, doesn't matter who you are. That All colors, all races, he says it, right? So he's, he's not just focusing on one. He's being very inclusive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he's being very compassionate. Right. So on the list of crazy things he said, this doesn't go anywhere near the top. No, no, no. This doesn't seem drama. The problem is that he's had so much drama before. Yes. And he can get away with it because he's a good player. Right. And I think that's that's where it will stay. But what is acceptable on work hours? Well, I think that depends on who you are and what your work is and who you work for. Really? Probably all of those things matter. Yes. Now, you could argue, should it? Now, that's a whole different debate. But you ask, what is? So, someone from the Jazz could say, well, man, we're being, babies are being discriminated against. Millions are being aborted every year. I've had enough of it. I can't focus. This is the playoffs, but I can't focus on this. Not 24-7, because I'm very much against abortion. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the outrage? So it's not just how good you are, it's what the topic is, too. Yes, there are many ingredients that go into the stew. I mean, I think it's easier for Kyrie to say it's hard for me to focus because they just won. If they'd lost, it would have played different. But he's not saying it during the game. And that's another factor. He's saying it it during interviews. He's wearing Nets. He's a Nets spokesman Mm -hmm. at the time, basically. You're on company time. So what's acceptable on company time? Outside, if he went afterward and he held a press conference in his house, nobody would say a thing. In fact, way to go, man. You're standing up for people who are being discriminated against, and that's just awesome. Thank you for speaking up for people who need voices. But when you mix it, isn't that part of the Kaepernick thing, too? If he would have done all that outside of the 49ers, 
it would have played different than doing it on the field right before the game starts. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, it right. would have played. I agree. How could I you argue with his right to do that? Now you can argue: is he right in his belief and all that? But I'm talking about your right to do it. I've, I've often said, but long, in uniform long, on the field, long before we got to either Kaepernick or or uh, Kyrie Irving, whatever you do, don't embarrass your boss. Now the the. You know, if, you, if you're looking for some consistency, what embarrasses one boss versus what embarrasses another boss? I mean, we've been in situations where we thought that doesn't embarrass the big boss, but boy, does it stress out the mid-level boss. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so I think as an employee, you got to take all that into mind. The big boss literally shrugs their shoulders and goes on and doesn't care. But the mid-level boss worried they're going to be called on the carpet. Like, no, stay in line. Stay in line. So I think, you know, if you're looking for one consistent answer, you're not going to get it. You're not. Depends on who your boss is and what embarrasses slash stresses out worries your boss. Should we keep all politics or whatever cause out of work? Or can it come into work? In theory. If you're good. That sounds like a good idea that sports is a, um, it's the playground, it's recess. Uh, but realistically, the real life stuff does carry into sports. Sports is still real life. It's people's jobs and it's careers and how people get treated matters. So how do you, you know, how society treats women? Uh, how is that? How do you keep that out of the workplace with the Houston Texans right now? I don't see how you do, regardless of which way any of these lawsuits go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds great in theory because I think a lot of us do want the escapism that comes with sports. But when it hits close to home, we don't want it. We want people to stand up for the underdog. And to the degree that that's what Kyrie Irving is doing here, you know, I think people can agree that's a positive. But the less, the more it's real life, the, the more it gets focused specifically on real life, it's going to divide people. When it's general and kind of above the fray, more people can rally around it and be supportive. Okay. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call Pan 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. We're joined now by our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, the Jazz are the one seed. They've got the best record in the NBA. If you read a hundred pundits, doesn't matter, ex-coaches, ex-players, longtime beat writers, TV talking heads, a mix of all of those, a hundred of them. How many of the hundred do you think would pick the Jazz to win it all? Today? Today. Or before, what, before no, season, today, right? right now. Now that they've seen the regular season, right now. Right. I'm saying none. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, 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 if we're including, you know, 
Utah pundits and you know folks like yourself and people there who are gonna have a great love for the. I mean, but I'm just saying that the national. I was pundits, thinking national. I was thinking national. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now I, I would probably say none. All right, so then how much does that drive you? I don't want to overstate it, but there's got to be something there for the coaches and the players. Well, I, I, I mean, I think it's um, great locker room stuff. You know, I mean, you have the best record in the league. You have your leading scorer doesn't play for a month or so, and you're still finished with the best record. I I think you just quietly go about business, and uh, this, a, this is a confident group. And... Uh, we can think of a lot of reasons why they wouldn't consider the Jazz a team that could do that. But when you look at it, you've got, you've probably got the defensive player of the year. You've got the sixth man of the year. You've got a young guard that is capable of scoring 30 on a given night. And I, in, in my mind, uh, I know a guy like Thibodeau may end up being the coach of the year because they like to give that award to coaches that have had big turnarounds. But Quinn Snyder is the coach of the year, and it's not even close. And so all of those things and just the chemistry of the team and the interchangeable parts and the ability to shoot the ball, uh, you know, no, nobody plays together better than that group plays. And that, that goes to that, not just Quinn, but his coaching staff and everybody involved in the program. So, uh, yeah, there's not going to be a lot of love and respect and you know what? It'll become an amazing story when they're in the finals and playing and, and doing things that people never thought they could do, and they're, they're capable of it. I mean, every team in the NBA today has weaknesses and issues and clouds hanging over them, whether they're injuries or guys trying to get healthy or haven't been playing well. And, I, I mean, the, when you think about the Jazz, they just kind of went, went about their business. I mean, a, a few times, you know, they don't have Conley. Uh, or Williams. I mean, they're playing without the, you know two, two of their lead guards. So everything they've done has uh, been worthy of coach of the year, defensive player of the year. You know, and I, you know, those kinds of things uh, just just had a special season. So, but they're going to have to earn it, and uh, it's just the nature of it. You know, it's, I don't know if it's about a big market or whatever the nature of that thing is, but at the end of the day. Anybody who watches the game knows this is a really, really good basketball team. So I wanted to talk to you about the intensity and the focus and how it ramps up in the postseason versus the regular season. And I'm going to throw an example at you. I can remember when I was covering the Utes and Majerus wasn't available on Selection Sunday. He was doing some national stuff. And he told me, he said, hey, just talk to me. I'll provide some quotes for the sports information. But if you need to talk to me, I'll be available um, around 1 o'clock on Monday, the following day after Selection Sunday. So, okay, fine. So I call him up Monday, and, and he answers, and we had almost set it up. And, man, he was so cantankerous. And, and like, we didn't have the best relationship, as everybody knows, but he was on steroids at that point. And I'm saying, Rick, what is going on? And he told me that his book got released, and he had a book signing, like, at... 10 o'clock at the student library or bookstore or something and he said he thought it would be about 20 minutes and it lasted two and a half hours that he couldn't devote to studying film for the opponent that they were going to play so he was so wired and just so agitated and my thought for you is now that these guys have finished the regular season 
they go into the postseason, how much does it ramp up in intensity and time becomes so short because of what you're trying to accomplish? Well, I think there's two thoughts come to my mind. The first thought is that from the perspective of the media, it is, you know, it's a frenzy for all of you. I mean, you're, everybody's trying to cover a story, cover a guy, cover a scenario, and, and it, it is like a beehive, you know. Uh, I think for most coaches, uh, they, they try to insulate themselves. And you, you, you say yes to certain things, but at, at the end of the day, your, your commitment has to be to your team and to your guys, and you can get caught up in that. And, and, and most NBA coaches who have been around, they're, they're not going to get distracted by the media, okay? They're, they're there, ever-present, and anywhere they turn for the entire year. So uh, I, I think you're, you're talking about NBA coaches who, number one, know where the focus should be, and that should be spending time with the team and watching film and doing those kinds of things. Is it hard to do? Yeah, because I, I think there's mandated things that the NBA says, hey, coaches have to do this, players have to do so many interviews. And, and, and sometimes when you mandate things, you don't get a great interview. <laughs> and uh, so they just kind of want to get through it. But I think this is a time that coaches protect players and players protect players. And it, the, the focus is on the task at hand, who they're playing, what the matchup is. You know, and it's not like, we live in a world of Twitter and Instagram and, and social media where these players are impacted by it. I mean, they, they, they drive it. Uh, they get involved. And they're the ones that have to be really careful. You know, if I'm a coach, I'm going, hey, you know what, also we're off social media here. <laughs> now, you know what, that, that's an old school deal. And maybe they just they wouldn't do it. But that can be pretty distracting as well. You know, I think the social media can be more distracting than maybe a – uh, a really relentless recorder, a reporter who's trying to get a story and get us a thought. Uh, with, the, with the younger people today, that's a big part of their life. And that can, that can be a distraction. And we've seen that throughout the last few years. And you see tweets and things coming from players from, you know, in the locker room, on the bench sometimes, which I just can't even believe, to lots and lots of stuff that happened between games. So that for me, if I'm a coach, you know, that, that social media, we'll turn it off, shut it off, shut it down. You, you've got, they all have people that do that for them anyway. And, uh, but for them to be personally involved in it is a really good way to get distracted and forget about why they're there. Yeah, I think that the this generation of players is way more influenced by social media than they are by media. They're not they're not watching local sportscasts, listening to local talk shows, and reading the local paper. I, I think yeah. way more, way more social media impact on their lives. I'm curious what you think about the Warriors. I mean, they they sit in eighth, obviously with a playing tournament. The Jazz may not get them, but I think there's a decent chance they will. Wiseman. Uh, his last game was April 10th against Houston, and they won because Houston, uh, you know, is a disaster at this point in the season. So Wiseman's done for the year at that point, and the Warriors go 15 and five in their final 20 games. Is it as easy as saying there's a young guy who just defensively and offensively just couldn't read stuff on the fly and was a step slow and it really hurt them and now they're a much better team and 15 and 5 suggest they might be able to do some serious damage in the playoffs are we over and selling the Warriors or do you think that's true uh, you know, I don't think we're overselling the Warriors when 
probably the MVP. You know, I mean, could, could, I mean he's maybe not going to get the award, but I mean, Steph Curry is is had just a spectacular year, and I think Draymond Green has really got comfortable with this kind of point forward position. And to me, there are a lot of people involved, but has Wiggins had a better year in the NBA than he's had this year? No, no, not necessarily saying statistically, but he seems he's like he's in a really, really, really good place. And he's a talent. I, well, I, I, I believe, was he the number one pick? He was. In, in, coming yeah. out of the draft? Cleveland, yeah. 2014, number one pick. Yeah, and the influence, I think, of Green and uh, – and, and, and Curry around him, and, and Coach Kerr, and, and others. Uh, it, it's, it's just been really, really cool to see. And, and that guy has uh, really taken the wrath of the media over the years, and underachieved. And you know, he gets into a new environment, and uh, all of a sudden, with a good culture, and there's not all that nonsense, and he gets, and, and it just brings the best out of him. So. I mean, he's a guy that can go 20-25 on any given night, and he's not forcing it. He's letting it come to him. He's playing with experienced guys. I, I think, for me, uh, certainly, you know, you're, you, Curry and, and Draymond are the, kind of the foundation of that team from a leadership perspective, but Wiggins, I think, has been really, really special. And I, uh, I mean, they've got obviously a, a, a cast of people that not everybody knows, but uh, – Baysmore and Poole, they've had, they've had opportunities to come in and, and make a difference. I mean, they've just kind of done it piece by piece and put it in together, but Steph has been incredible. But I, I really believe that Wiggins has had a great year, and uh, he, needs, he needs credit for that, too. I mean, all the abuse he's taken over the years, that he's underachieved. He's had a, this is his best year in the NBA as far as I'm concerned. So it was clear that the Clippers wanted to finish in fourth. They did not want to finish third. If that's uh, seating purposes or whatnot, whatever that might be, and because they didn't play their stars the last couple of ball games, I, what's your thought on far as kind of adjusting where you want to be as opposed to trying to win as many games as you can and let the chips fall? Well... <laughs> I'm sure the Clippers don't want to play the Lakers, you know, immediately, and and that and then kind of that uh, that process that they went through kind of eliminated that. Um, you know, I've, I've never been in a situation where you know you're not playing your guys. You're, I mean, I'm just I've just never been in a situation where we're going to rest our guys tonight, and make sure they're ready for the NC two A's. So that's not something my mindset has ever been able to wrap around. But it is something that's very common in the NBA, and. Uh, you know what? Uh, they've had guys hurt. I mean, a lot of people hurt this year uh, due to probably playing three and four games a week and whatever all the other circumstances are. So, you know, protecting guys uh, and then also the benefit of getting in the right bracket and getting in the right spot, um, you know, it works. I, I don't I, – I guess, I guess the Clippers are going to probably play the Mavs. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the matchups have been during the year. I really haven't studied that. Um, but, at, but at the end of the day – uh, the, you know, the Clippers probably like the idea of playing the Mavs and then having Utah in the second round if, uh, uh, if you know, they feel like they can beat both those teams to get to the finals. And then if it's the Lakers or, you know, Denver or whoever it might be, Portland, um, they feel like they haven't had to just go through, uh, you know, a barrier of walls to get to the finals. I, I, I think that's probably what they're thinking. Um, and, you know, Utah's sitting on a 3-1 lead last year. 
they've got that on their mind. They're very focused. They're, you know, they're going to be ready to go and, and uh, you know, playing if, if Golden State and Utah play, you know what? Nothing, that's not going to be an easy test. I mean, you, you've got veteran guys, and uh, I don't know where uh, Donovan Mitchell is and what his circumstances are. He's ready to go. I mean, I see Utah in a situation where they, they you know, they got to get to the finals. They, to, for Utah to validate what they're doing, you know, beating Golden State is obviously something that can happen. Beating the Clippers, I, you know, I, I believe that Utah has – uh, chemistry and talent and enough shooters to beat the Clippers and the Clippers have been up and down anyway. So I think Utah's in the right bracket and, uh, and a, a chance to get, get to the, you know, the Western finals. So, uh, yeah, the idea of not playing guys to get to a certain bracket, I, I guess that's just the world we live in. I just never lived in that world before. I mean, you're trying to win every game. You're old school, Steve. You're old school, and there's yeah. nothing anyone's going to do about it. So, and, and with the emphasis on old. <laughs> so I'm big into the history of the NBA, and PK, well, first off, he knows that. And second, usually he gives me some slack on that because there's just some proof that this is how things work. But sometimes he wants to crush me on this, and I'm curious because I'm even doubting myself on this. And maybe this year is just totally bizarre. But I'm looking at the last 30 years in the NBA, and the one or the two seed out of the West goes to the NBA Finals. That's the way it is. There's only three three seeds in 30 years have gone. No four or five seeds. And then one six seed, the Rockets back in 95. Like, one and two seeds have gone 26 of the last 30. So, Jazz and Suns, Knowing that, Jazz and Suns or the field, I'm thinking everybody's taking the field, although NBA history says that's not how it works. I, I agree with you that everyone's taking the field. And um, the fact that there have been so many intangibles with COVID, with four games a week, with coming out of, uh, you know, a year where there was a short, there's been nothing normal about the last two years of the NBA. So if there was ever going to be something that goes against those statistics and the fact that the one and two seeds always seem to get there, this isn't a normal year. This is an abnormal year where guys have had to sit, not just for injuries, but for protocol and COVID and all the other things. So if there was ever going to be an exception to this, David, I would say this is probably the year, not because it's, the Jazz and the Suns, but because it wouldn't matter. I mean, I, I just think so many things have happened. Um, you know, matchups mean everything. And, uh, you know, I, I know from, uh, you know, Los Angeles, if you're looking preseason, you know, you're looking at the Lakers. I mean, they won the league. You know, they come back, they have injuries, they underperform in games. You know, they, they don't have a great season. Uh, can they get healthy enough? I, you know what? I don't think the Lakers are going to have an issue playing the Suns. I mean, I think they in their minds that they can beat the Suns in, in a seven-game playoff, even when they don't have home court advantage. Uh, I, I think the edge. I, I think there's going to be a lot of people in the arena in, in Salt Lake City. I mean, I know that some of the places. I mean, who, I, I can't know somebody. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't. One of the TNBA teams hadn't even really had uh, fans in, in the arena yet. But I, I think the the Jazz are going to be somebody that you know. It's been, the protocols and all that kind of thing have, have been a part of their program as well. But I, 
I believe that they're going to have eight or 10,000 people. Having a home court advantage will be really important. But, uh, yeah, I, I, say, I, I picked the field as well just because there's just too many unknowns, too many unknowns. Yes, Utah has proven that they have been the best team all year. And there's nothing to suggest that they can, can't continue playing that way, especially when you know they're going to have the home court advantage in every setting. So uh, you can't discount it, but I just think with all uh, the unknowns that have taken place here, uh, it's up for grabs. It's up for grabs, and, and somebody – I mean, who thought Miami was going to be in the finals last year in the bubble? Okay, and then all of a sudden they – they, you know, they play their way into the finals and, and, and make it scary for the Lakers. I mean, I don't know who that team's going to be. Is it going to be a New York Knicks team who all of a sudden just gets hot? They got so much confidence. They have no pressure whatsoever. Uh, you know, or, or is, it a, is it a team like Portland who kills Denver the other night and all of a sudden Portland finally gets healthy and gets going, you know, and you got those shooters and, Portland's not a team I want to play. I mean, it won't surprise me at all if Portland beats Denver in in, uh, in the first round. And uh, but you never know; it, it, it's going to be crazy. But I, I still like Utah's chances just because they're the most complete team in the league, uh, and uh, they share the ball. Uh, they got a litany of shooters, high IQ, well coached, good chemistry. I mean, th- this is the year for Utah. And but the, the the road is not going to be easy, and there'll be way more pressure on Utah. And this Golden, Golden State's going to come into that game if they get through the playing stuff, and I'm assuming they will. That uh, that's a tough test for Utah. I mean, it, it, it's not a, it, certainly Utah's the better team, has more size, and you know has has more experience. Uh, I will say this: I believe when it's all said and done, that Jordan Clarkson. Um, will be the key to the Jazz winning the NBA championship. I mean, uh, all the starters, all those things, but this guy's had some incredible – he continues to play like he's been playing. Um, it really puts the Jazz in a position to win an NBA championship. He, he's just been amazing. I, every time I've watched him, I mean, it, he's uh, he does things that really, really help that team off the bench. Steve, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and talking a little basketball, and we will talk to you again next week. Talk to you guys. It'll be fun to watch the games. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. When we come back, Donovan Mitchell. Is he going to be 100% for the start of the playoffs? What can go right? What can go wrong? What should be worried about? What is probable? What is at the outer edge of probable, but is still possible? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The regular season is complete. The focus turns to the playoffs. And PK, before we get into any playoff predictions, of course, we have to know who the Jazz are going to be playing in the first round. Got to wait for the playing tournament. But even more importantly, Donovan Mitchell. Is he going to be back for the playoff opener? Is he going to come back 100%? Will he be physically 100%? But will he be rusty and not in the groove and struggle for a game or two? Lots of questions. And until you answer those questions, you can't get to the most important question, which is how far are the Jazz going and can they win it all? Well, uh, we don't need Mitchell to go all the way. I think that's evident. Okay, probably not. Uh, but you look at a Rusty Mitchell, it's conceivable. Now, we have Quinn Snyder after the Jazz finished up the regular season on Sunday. Uh, someone asked him about uh, Mike Conley getting back. You know, that was his second game back, right? And why don't we hear from Quinn talking about that very thing? Yeah, I think it shows you how deep they run. You know, it's it's like a you know a friendship. You know, where you you have a close friend that you don't see him in a while. It, it doesn't take you long to pick up where you left off. Yeah, I think we all know those types of relationships, and you know, I, I think that's the relationship that Mike has with this team and with the guys on this team, and that's the relationship that they have with him. So when that is the case, obviously there are certain things you try to figure out, but there's other things that just come natural, and I think that's what you saw. Okay, so I can buy that. You know, Conley, a 33-year-old guy, been around, and he's a veteran. He knows his role. He doesn't try to do anything more than what they want him to do. But you look at the Lakers, and everyone's pointing to them because they've had two big-time megastars be out for a while. And LeBron came back and actually didn't miss a beat. You know, he uh, played uh, – his last game was uh, March 20th. He got hurt. Then he comes back uh, Friday – uh, April 30th, right? So that's uh, more than five weeks. Basically hits the ground running. And then he misses a couple more games, comes back. And then over the weekend, he scores 24-25. So he, and that was after missing another almost two weeks, right? So he didn't miss a beat. But then you look at Anthony Davis. And he plays in February, the middle of February, right? It's right before the All-Star break. And then he's out until the middle of April, towards the end of April. And you look at him, he goes uh, 2 of 10, 5 of 19 in his first two ball games. He His three-point shooting was uh, 1 for 11 in first three games. So I got two examples there. Now, it doesn't matter that much because they have regular season games, particularly in the case of Davis when he's coming back in April. He's got plenty of time to get together. But these are playoff games, right? So obviously every one of them is huge. So I do have a little bit of concern about how Donovan Mitchell comes back and be able and is able to get where he needs to be. Now, I don't think, and I'll see what you think, that he can come back and immediately be the best offensive player. You think so? No. Gut instinct says no. I think the most uh, normal expected path was that he's decent 
in his first couple games back. I don't know. He scores his 20, his 24 points, whatever. Maybe not the most efficient shooting. Uh, but you start getting two, three, four games deep, and then he's liable to drop 38 on you. Sure. Right? But do they have three, four, five games and to, not to waste? point. But to wait until he develops. And, yeah, and I don't know that they do waste them. You know, they, they there's a lot of different ways for this team to win. They don't have to have 38 out of him to win. Obviously, if they True. if they do, great. But, you know, Conley goes for 20. Ingles goes for 20. Matt Clarkson's dropping 30. I think we're going to leave Matt Thomas out of this equation, but <laughs> thanks for contributing three that. Three-point shooter! He, he is the 11th or 12th guy down the bench. He is the three-point shooter. You're right. <laughs> you got me there. Uh, so there are other paths to win. I mean, I think before we even get to how's he going to come back game one, I would want to know what this week is like. And they're not going to tell us what this week is like. Maybe if it goes well at the end of the week, they will. Right? But... Do they have a couple of hard practices, and is he in them ready to go? Has he been playing two-on-two two and three-on-three, three and he's about ready you know, to take that next step to five-on-five? Five? Or is he not going to be able to even play three-on-three three until Friday? I don't know the answer to those questions. You know, we can ask around and find out. You know, we'll see how this goes. It doesn't really matter how he's doing now if he tweaks again on Thursday or Friday. So it could be bad now and better later. It could be good now and worse later. I mean, we can drive ourselves nuts thinking about this. I think the fact is they don't have to have him completely go off. It'd be great if they could just have him on the court because he's got the basketball word that gets beat into the ground that you would hate to hear and would drive you nuts and then you would scream and it would be great. It's gravity, right? Steph Curry's gravity. Steph Curry moves everybody on the court. We just heard uh, Steve Cleveland say, Wiggins' numbers are better. Hey, his shooting percentages are up from three, from the floor. His shots per game are down, but I'll bet the shots he get are, are better. And it's because Steph Curry. It's his gravity. Donovan Mitchell just being there. I think we'll open stuff up for other guys. Well, you have gravity too, but it's sinking. Hey, oh. <laughs> I got a bad case of furniture. What's that? My chest is falling into my drawers. <sighs> we all so, got gravity. Right. So I think that I got a just, just getting him back. <laughs> You know, it would be great if it's 100% Donovan and if it's all-star Donovan and he's just lighting people up. And I don't think that's the guy they're going to get back. I also don't have any proof that that isn't the guy they're getting back. So So, LeBron comes back and he just takes it like he never left. Anthony Davis takes a few games. One thing I think we have to say here is that uh, Mitchell's been a guy who has been healthier than the average NBA player. He missed three games his rookie year. He missed five games his second year. He missed, uh, I think, three games last year. And I think one of those, I think in the bubble, they sat him right at the end. I don't think he played the last game. So this is the – he's never been out for a month like this and had to come back. LeBron's done that before, right? Did, wasn't there a year that LeBron – I don't know if he went to Cancun or whatever he did, but he shut himself down in January or February. He was with Cleveland and went to Miami. I need a break. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, <laughs> I need a. So if you're Mike Conley and you've come back from hamstring injuries before, when 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 Conley came back last year, he needed a half dozen games, and like the seventh game, all the stats you can go back and look at them. They all got way better. So it's not completely unusual. But once you've done it, maybe it gets easier. Here's another thing: you can't compare Conley and Donovan. Conley came back and had to play against Oklahoma City and against a watered-down Sacramento Kings. Donovan's going to come back, and it's going to be a playoff game, and it's going to be a pretty good team. 
It could be the Spurs. I don't consider them a pretty good team. But if you get the Lakers, the Warriors, or the Grizzlies, at minimum, you're getting a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's the Grizzlies. They don't have the playoff experience. The Warriors, <laughs> who've gone 15-5 and five in their last 20 games, the first round, hey, congrats on having the best record in the NBA. That's a heck of a reward. So he's going to have to clear a higher bar than Mike had to clear in the last two games. And he does a lot of stuff. A lot's expected of him. You know, and there'll be a lot of adrenaline pumping. And, you know, the thing is, he could be 100% and he could have a bad game because there's just too much adrenaline. And I don't know. We, I think we can drive ourselves nuts psychoanalyzing this. I think the odds are they won't get the best version of Donovan the first game back. And I just, I would just write common sense, no inside info. I just write common sense. He's been out long enough. They're not going to get the best version. All right. Of is that. that dangerous then? Of course, potentially. It's potentially dangerous. You want your best player to be very good well, in the sure. playoffs. Sure, I mean, just about anything is potential. But is it right. is it dangerous? Is it going to be dangerous? Is it going to make the task way much more difficult to get past the Warriors, or do you still have a level of confidence you, that okay, I can let Mitchell ease into us, but we'll be okay? My level of confidence is I think the Jazz win this playoff series if it's the Warriors. So, do I have a level of confidence? Yes. What do level? I think uh, Jazz in six? Uh, decently long, so that's yeah. some tense times. Well, I, I think the Warriors are good enough that they can do that. I, I don't buy into the regular season, the, the two out of three. Donovan didn't play in the third one. You know. Now, I also don't really buy the two early ones because they're a bit different team after Wiseman went out. And I haven't watched enough or talked to enough people around the Warriors, but on the surface, that suggests a guy who's got talent, who's a project, but right now, they're better off without him. And if you're a step slow on rotations, if you're still thinking and you're not reacting, that can hurt you. Certainly can hurt you defensively. I think it can hurt you offensively, too. You know? So I think there's something to him going out. And it, and it may be other guys and putting them in a better role. I, I'm not close enough to it to know. But I would draw a line between that and what Steve Cleveland has told us about the Lakers and what other people have said about the Lakers as well. Hey, they're better with AD at the five. They brought in all these guys, and there's a logic to it. And it's not that these guys can't contribute. But if the Lakers need their best lineup to close a game in the fourth quarter, put AD at the five. They're better. So does the Mitchell situation, what level of nervousness does it cause you in the first round? It causes me a little bit. Uh, give me, what, what are my levels? What are my options here? But it does cause some nervousness. The most I most stressful time you've ever been in your life? No. <laughs> Mom had cancer. No. Or, uh, let's see, just the thought of, wait, I signed on to do a morning show with him? No, I never really had nervousness over that. I'm way more nervous about Donovan than that. I, had, I knew you just from talking to you before games, and you had subbed on shows, and you never know how it's going to go. I told you in the early days, the show is going to become whatever it is, and we can't know that now. It's got to evolve. It's got to happen. So I guess there was some level, because I didn't know that, but there wasn't much. Apprehension, slightly? There wasn't much. So I, I just wonder, because my, my level of nervousness right now is not outrageous, but Mitchell scenario, I can play this scenario, Mitchell needs some time to get reacclimated, uh-huh. right? And game one or game two, heaven forbid both, the Jazz struggled. They don't shoot yeah. the ball well. 
So they're down 0-2, 0-1, 1-1, and Mitchell struggled. I don't think they're going to be down 0-2 in this series. But if it happens, and it's not out of the realm, because right now I'm assuming Warriors, and I got a lot of respect for the Warriors. I got a ton of respect for Steph Curry. So I, really, I, you do? I, so do you. <laughs> Here's the biggest scenario. You haven't gotten to the one. I've been waiting for this. This is the worst scenario for Mitchell. And I don't think it's the real one. But I don't know. And if it is, I'm worried. He's in the is protocol. The injury, <laughs> no, that the injury is worse than they're letting on. And that when he tries to plan it, he's going to re-aggravate it. it. Or he, that, or he can't do it. Yeah, or he can't do it. That, to me, is the worst-case scenario. And I have not heard that at all. And I think if it were that bad, I would have heard it. So I don't think that's oh, the case. Well, I heard original that it was worse than, than people thought. Sure, and I think that's why he's out five weeks. Right, originally but, that was, I heard, but, but that was five weeks ago. Right, right. And so when you sprain an ankle, I assume you're gone for a week, and I know you might be gone for two. Because I've seen a gazillion sprained ankles in high school, college, and pro basketball over the course of my life, and in pickup games. But after two weeks, I figure you're okay. Now, if you have some kind of setback, you know, the third week, man, when you get to the fifth week, but maybe they're just being really cautious because they just want him 100 set for the playoffs. Sure, 100% yeah. I mean, for the that's playoffs. what we hope. And they didn't really need him. And they wanted the one seed, but they didn't view the one seed as this just critical thing we've got to have. I don't want it. Been in first place all this time. You might as well get it for the team's psyche and the confidence. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go into the playoffs yeah. thinking, oh, we blew the one seed. Now you're not. And there's photos on social media. They're on the plane. They're happy. And I thought the post-game reaction was about right. You know, there are pats on the back, a couple hugs and some smiles. There were some hugs. Yeah. went down the row and hugged. But nobody was jumping jumping up and down. Nobody was fist pumping and running across the court. It wasn't uh, everyone flying off the bench the way they did in Houston when the NBA Finals. So there was a celebration. But on a scale of 1 to 10, it, it looked like to me like a 4. I would go more than that. Six. I'm not going more than six. I, I was going seven. seven. No. I, I thought they clearly acknowledged it. Absolutely. And it should be acknowledged. It's it good. And it should be. I agree. Yeah. We spent virtually all day uh, talking about it. Yeah. And so we should be, we talked about it. It's totally worth it's acknowledging. Um, but I didn't think they blew a lot of energy, you no. know? There was no Steve Young victory lap around candlestick. We took down the Cowboys. None of that. That would have been over the top. I think for me, if Mitchell is not ready to go, don't go. I Even in the playoffs. I'd rather have him out than trying to put him in there when he's like 50% and he can't, he can't be as effective. Mm. Because I think they're good enough and they've played long enough now without him that it's not necessarily the end of the world. It's a blow. There's no question about it. Yeah. But... If he can't go, if he's gonna, if his presence in any way is going to harm the team, don't do it. And so, yeah, just you I give more, more opportunities his, yeah. for Bogdanovich uh, and and Clarkson. Hard to think that he's having more opportunities to shoot, but possible. <laughs> <laughs> the greenest of green lights. Yeah. I was thinking maybe you know more Niang, more Joe. Yeah, well, certainly Niang's had a bigger role. Where we've all of seen this. these and he's guys handled it well. So if they have any issue whatsoever, don't force the issue because I think the team is capable enough of succeeding in the first round without them. Well, if you know, worst case scenario, if it is serious and they are worried about them long term, if you have to don't, if you have to just sit them and not play them, uh, when 
Tim Duncan came into the league. He doesn't get credit the way other guys do, like Bird, because he came into a team that was already pretty good and was already, you know, in the playoffs, winning playoff series. So his second year, they win the title. His third year, he has a knee problem, and he was going to tough it out in the playoffs. And people told him, don't do it. Other players told him, don't do it. And he sat out, and they lost the first round series. But when you, they, they said, your health and the rest of your career is more important, and then you see how the rest of his career turned out, sacrificing that playoffs and the chance to go back-to-back was a great decision. Now, you go a little earlier, Grant Hill played on stuff and tried to tough it out. Um, I think, he, was he with Detroit at that point? He bounced around a little bit, so now I forget. But I think he was with Detroit at that point, and he had these chronic injuries that just hampered what, sh- what we all thought was going to be an excellent career. And he got a little taste of it in the end in Phoenix when he finally got healthy. It took forever. So if there's any concerns about Donovan, health, long-term, as much as it would suck to sit him, and it would suck... I look at Grant Hill, and I look at Tim Duncan, and I think, make the tough call and sit him. Just do it. Just do it, if it's really that bad. You know, I don't think it is. I think we would have heard more, more recently, and you just heard right at the time of the injury. You know, I think he probably comes back. He's probably a little rusty. I don't think he comes out and does that 35- or 40-point game right away. But I think he's going to come out and be pretty good until, until we hear otherwise. And you know, we'll, there'll be some opportunities later in the week, and I'm sure Donovan's health will come up, and we'll see what they say. And I think they'll know more after they put him through hard practices. You're playing too many games a week. There weren't, there's not a chance to put guys into hard practices during the regular season. There was no time. This, with this week off, they're going to have time. And so I think everybody will have a better idea at the end of the week. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, next.